Welcome to the Making It Happen podcast by The Tech Garden. The Tech Garden is Central New York's premier technology incubator fostering high-tech, high-growth companies in downtown Syracuse, New York, and this podcast explores what it means to be an entrepreneur right here in CNY. If you would like to know more about The Tech Garden, please visit thetechgarden.com or follow us on social media. Enjoy the show. When I got to second grade, we were getting taught by Miss Okonski, my second grade teacher, Catholic school, I'm a good Catholic boy. They, um, she was mentioning that high pressure means cold and dry, low pressure means wet and warm. And I, and I remember that day, I just sat there going, how does it snow? Because it doesn't fit, the, uh, it doesn't fit, right? And of course, back then we didn't have the internet and things like that. So you had to, you know, try to find the answers to these questions. And um, that was what I think hooked me. And I knew that from that you know, day on, I was going to be a meteorologist. And my whole life has been, it's a passion and it's, a, it's, a, it's just a search for answers and an unsolvable problem that I guess is what you know, motivates me. Hi, I'm your host, Mia Tomasello. And today I sit down with Don Birchoff, CEO and founder of True Other Solutions. True Weather Solutions is a weather risk management and analytics company that has a proven framework for reducing weather's impact on businesses to preserve people, property, and profits. The difference between True Weather and the weather platforms that you or I check daily is that True Weather focuses on micro weather data. This is important for business sectors such as unmanned aircraft systems or UAS, where a drone pilot needs to know with absolute certainty that their drone isn't going to be blown with the wind but also ground transportation and emergency management, and even the outdoor events industry. For these reasons, TrueWeather was a 2018 Genius New York finalist, with Genius New York being the world's largest business accelerator competition for unmanned systems, IoT, and big data. So I'm excited to speak all things tech, science, entrepreneurship, and weather with Dom today. Enjoy the show. I briefly touched on it in the intro, but I kind of want your take. So could you explain to me high level what the difference is between True Weather and, for example, the weather app on my phone? Yes. Um, the weather app on your phone is based on a very generic data set. It's not uh, hyperlocal. Uh, the resolution does not pick up local effects from winds and turbulence and icing, especially in mountainous terrain and along coastal areas. It's also not targeted for the right time in the right place. What True Weather does is we take a numerous amount of data sets. We also run some of our own micro models, which get us down to a very low resolution to pick up terrain, influences of wind. And then we fuse that together into a um, mission-focused custom forecast for a route or for a location that generally will get you much better fidelity on the type of wind you're going to be impacted by, especially it's very important for battery power, right? So we're about more than safety. We're about ROI also, return on investment. And those apps aren't built for return on investment. They're not fidelity enough. There's not a fidelity. So who are your customers and and what exactly are they using it for? So our customers are basically the test ranges right now, the unmanned aerial system test ranges here in the United States. We've also got two contracts now with the FAA, and we're, at, and we're demonstrating capabilities about what this fine-scale weather data, along with very advanced decision analytics, can do to help improve decisions and safety for UAS operations, not just for individual operators, but also for airspace management, which is going to become very important when we have 
you know, hundreds of drones flying in the same area and the winds are blowing, you want to make sure they don't start blowing into each other. So these are the types of things that, you know, we're focusing on in the test ranges. We also have drone delivery companies that we're talking to, believe it or not, they're um, UPS and uh, Uber are, are talking with us and we're, they're looking at demonstrating our capabilities and us proving our capabilities. And we're working with the uh, unmanned aerial system traffic management service suppliers. These are the folks that are going to manage the air traffic uh, at the low levels of the atmosphere. I should say lowest, lower areas of the airspace. Uh, they're not going to be the authoritative source that FAA is still responsible for airspace management, but they're going to be outsourced to take in all the requirements of drone operators, deconflict their flight patterns, make sure they don't fly in areas where they don't have good communications, uh, manage the remote ID, and also provide the weather services to these uh, drone operators and also help in managing the air traffic. That's our big customer because they they have platforms that we can uh, integrate with that gets us to all their clients. And that's, and that's basically our business model. I've done some digging and I know that one of the claims TrueWeather makes is that it can save people a lot of money. And you mentioned ROI. On LinkedIn, it says routine weather variants cost global businesses $1.1 trillion annually, of which $400 billion is recoverable. So that's a lot of money. Uh, what are some of these costs associated with? So, so the challenge we've always had in the weather business and making our business case is that, you know, we're not 100% accurate. And so folks, um, and a lot of folks have a weather story, you know, about how the weather people messed up their wedding forecast or, you know, in my case, it was being in the Air Force and having F-16 pilots come back to the base and tell me I almost killed them for thunderstorms. We didn't tell them we're out there. Um, and a lot of them have these stories, so they carry that baggage with them. And the challenge is, is that there is money to be made if you use the weather data properly in your decision uh, tools and in the into your workflows. Um, you know, you don't have to be 100% accurate in order for us to uh, use business and actuary kind of approaches to, to data and to risk management. So in the Air Force, we demonstrated this. Um, when I was at Scott Air Force Base, I was the main weather dude that was leading a weather shop that supported global operations for tanker and airlift operations for the whole world, Air Mobility Command. And they flew 100,000 missions a year. And when I got there, I realized that they were experiencing about 5,000 weather delays a, uh, a year at about a half a, half a billion dollars in cost to the U.S. government. And it was also impacting getting cargo to places that, that was very important. And I quickly learned they weren't integrating weather properly into the planning. So what, what I did was I said, look, I understand why you're not integrating weather in the planning because you're concerned about um, the accuracy and you don't want to be chasing you know, bad weather. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're only going to tell you about the events that we're 90% certain are going to occur that are gonna impact your operation. And if you take that data and you make some changes to your mission profiles based on whatever the problem is, you're gonna be able to get those missions off without any impact. And so we actually proved it in a combat mission in uh, Afghanistan in 2002. And that because we were so successful, 
the, uh, the leader of this uh, air operations center said, we're going to start doing this. So after the first year, we cut the weather delays from five, an average of 5,000 a year for years on end to 1,800 without any change in accuracy. It was just in how we managed the risk, managed the certainty, and they integrated into their workflow. And we were able to find more than 40% return actually on investment in that case. And so that's what we're bringing into True Weather. That's the principles we're using. We know there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. And so that's what we're going after. And it's in the operations cost of the companies. Companies today, any company that's weather sensitive, uh, 10% of their operations cost is weather. So we've talked personally at the Tech Garden before coronavirus about misconceptions people might have about weather people or the weather business. Mm-hmm. So could you explain a little bit further and maybe clarify some of those misconceptions? Well, yeah, the misconceptions are that the, what they get on the app, what people get on their app or on TV is the best that we can do. That's not mm-hmm. true. It's free data they're getting and it's free for a reason. There's a lot more science and technology on the shelf that can be brought to solve some of these solutions and problems, uh, but you got to pay for it. And, mm-hmm. and the bottom line is, is if you do pay for it, it will pay off for you. So that's the first misconception. It's not the best you can get on your app. Um, the second is, is that um, whether people are only right 50% of the time. Well, that's not true. Um, whether folks are right 75 to 80% of the time. And if we're focused on a particular problem somewhere and we really focus on it, we can be right even more than that. Because when you use your app, you're getting a very generic area forecast and it's averaging the weather and the winds over an area. But you might be sitting in a valley or next to a lake and the winds might be blowing stronger. And you're looking at your app and going, these weather guys really stink. Well, no, it's not the weather guys that stink. It's you're using the wrong data at the wrong time for the wrong application. It would have been possible for us to nail that forecast if you were using the right tools. So that's that's another misconception. And the, and the third one is I don't think pe- people think weather is just an act of God and they've kind of just accepted it as a cost of doing business and it's built already in their budgets and They've accepted those losses. But in reality, if you're looking to save money um, and you don't want to lay off people, there's no better way to save money and not lay off people by using data and data driven decisions uh, in a better way. Because like I already demonstrated, there's a lot of waste in the system right now because people aren't using the data properly. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's easy to say that you're probably the most enthusiastic person about weather uh, that I know, and especially in the tech garden. So what is it that you love about weather and what is your personal background? If I'm not mistaken, I understand True Weather's approach um, to weather risk management started in the Air Force. That's correct. And I and I did talk about that a little bit, right, with the uh, work we did at the Tanker Elf Control Center. That's really where the, the, the first um, seeds of true weather <laughs> were laid. But, but really, the first seed probably was in uh, February of 1969 when New York City had what they call the Lindsay Day snowstorm. And um, I was you know, a young, young boy living in, in, in Queens, and we didn't have a very big front yard. But when we got that snowfall that day, um, that was like, to me, that was a very attention-getting uh, uh, situation and I became fascinated with with snow with snow and mother nature and when I got to second grade uh, we were 
getting taught by Miss Okonski, my second grade teacher, Catholic school. I'm a good Catholic boy. Um, and um, they, um, she was mentioning that high pressure means cold and dry. Low pressure means wet and warm. And I, and I remember that day, I just sat there going, how does it snow? Because it doesn't fit. The, uh, it doesn't fit, right? And of course, back then, we didn't have the internet and things like that. So you had to you know, try to find the answers to these questions. And um, that was what I think hooked me. And I knew that from that you know, day on, I was going to be a meteorologist. And my whole life has been, it's a passion. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just a search for answers and an unsolvable problem that I guess is what you know, motivates me. And I think as I get older, my passion now is around, we could do a lot better for society and business than what we're doing today, based on my history of you know, being in the military and, and being in the National Weather Service and understanding what the tools can do for us and watching how you know, really the weather industry with large is underperforming for society today. And, and that's where my passion is now extended to, right? It's, it's demonstrating this business model. And it's probably, some of it is probably a little bit psychological. I'm probably a little, you know, distraught for the days when um, people told me how bad I was back in the 1980s in forecasting when we didn't have the tools we have today. And uh, I kind of look at it like I was the guy on the beach, the skinny guy that got the sand kicked on him all the time by the big guy. <laughs> now I think this is my chance to uh, to get some revenge. So, but no, on a serious <laughs> note, that's, that's where the passion comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you realize that True Weather could be its own company and, and take that leap to start it? Well, you know, I think, you know, when I was, um, you know, I built big regional weather centers in the Air Force, supported, you know, 500,000 aviation missions in my career. Um, I, you know, I understand operations. Uh, I ran an Air Force base in Central Asia, so I understand logistics. I understand the science and the operations. And I got to the Weather Service in 2008, and I was fortunate enough to be the science technology director for four years. And I got to see what was possible in the labs and universities. But I was frustrated that we couldn't move uh, the capabilities out of these labs into operations fast enough. It's something called the valley of death. And I think it was at that point I realized that I could have more of an impact outside of the government than I could inside the government. So I went and worked with Unisys for a couple of years, federal contractor, to get some experience in private sector. And finally, in 2015, I just decided that I was going to, you know, go after this passion of unleashing the power in science and technology uh, directly in the commercial operations rather than trying to push everything through the government. And that was really the beginning of, of True Weather. And then in 2000, and then we actually were uh, selected to implement an upgraded weather prediction system for the government of Thailand in 2017. And we did it in six months on budget. Uh, but yeah. in 2018, we heard about the Genius uh, program here in New York in the incubator. And, you know, I think it was at that point we decided that it was the UAV industry and the drone industry was the industry to go to because it was, it really has a business case for weather unlike any other. And nobody else was looking at it at the time. And, you know, based on my experience, I could see this was going to be a big need. And, you know, fortunately for me, we were selected for genius and, and now we're here and, you know, we're, 
I think we're making a difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's let's talk about Genius. You were a 2018 Genius New York finalist. So how does that how has it helped or affected your business? Oh, it's helped it tremendously. I mean, you know, I feel very fortunate. Um, I had come up here in February of 2017 for a, a veterans show. I don't know why I did. I was in Washington, D.C. It was only a $500 prize for a pitch. And um, and uh, I, met, I met Rick there. I did my pitch. I won. But, you know, I think you guys had 20 inches of snow on the ground. I'm like, oh, man, what the heck am I doing up here? But um, Rick saw me and, and encouraged me to join Genius. And once I realized what was going on in central New York in terms of the investment in the UAS op, uh, industry and New Air and what was going on, the test range, I realized that this was the opportunity for us to really dig in and to learn about these weather impacts, learn about the industry and, and the pain points. And so when we, you know, put in our package and we got selected, I mean, it, we, you know, we came in third place. We got $400,000, which was very critical. And so we did a lot of development with that. But it's also been the networking and the exposure uh, to other uh, pieces of the industry that have, you know, really gotten us to a position now where we're kind of well known in the UAS industry as the weather guys. And and that's a good place to be because it's not an industry that yet is producing a lot of revenue. So other weather companies are not really focusing on it yet because there's no money in it yet for them. But we were able to focus on it because we were given the seed money and we were able to take our time in learning about the industry and growing with it. And so now we're sitting in a nice position uh, here and we're leveraging Syracuse and the Syracuse University uh, students. Uh, I've got, I think I'm going to have eight interns this summer. And I built most of my software with interns out of Syracuse University. Um, And then, of course, there's other, you know, attributes. We just hired two meteorologists out of Oswego, which wouldn't have happened if we weren't here. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I promised Cara and everyone at Genius I would hire meteorologists out of New York, and we have. And um, we also hired, you know, an operations manager out of the Air Force. He was going to go live in Pennsylvania. He's now living here in New York, and he's part of the guard unit at Syracuse, uh, Air Force Guard. So, you know, I feel like we're meeting our end of the obligation, and I'm glad that, you know, it's worked out to be such a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I typically always ask this question simply because I think it's very interesting and helpful, but Entrepreneurs obviously have a lot of incoming advice. So what is the best piece of advice you learned along the way? Everything takes longer and costs more than you think. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, no matter, you you know, it just does. It takes longer to raise money. Um, It takes longer to do software development. Um, It takes longer to get revenue. And, you know, you've got to bake that into your planning. Otherwise, you know, you're always going to be running behind. I, you know, we've been lucky because we've won projects along the way. And we've also, so we've, you know, we were able to, you know, augment our income in ways that I'm able to do because I have such connections in the industry. But, you know, if you don't have those connections and you're really trying to start up from the ground, you really got to be conscious of that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So you have several employees and now many interns as well. When did you realize you couldn't do it alone or just with your co-founder and that you needed to bring on some additional people? Well, I, <laughs> I've been around long enough to know you can't do it alone. Um, mm -hmm. There's no nothing you can do alone. But I think, um, you know, we always we had a business, but, you know, it's always was part of that was to hire, you know, good people that were going to fill, fill the right positions because, you know, I can't get into details every day. I, I mean, I've got to have people, you have to have doers, followers, but also leaders within the trenches. And, you know, so what I do is I empower, I don't just task people, I grow them, you know, and that, and that's one of the things I learned, you know, obviously as a military guy is that, you know, you, you have to empower your people. You got to give them uh, responsibility and you got to hold them accountable and you got to do that requisite with the experience they have. And then you've got to just keep adding more and more and testing them. And um, what I find is, is that, you know, people become much more passionate about coming to work every day when they feel like they have some of that liber freedom of, of making decisions, especially at the levels they can make them and, um, and growing them. And now, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of young people in my organization that I've grown myself here, and I'm very proud of them because they're doing things that probably people 10 years their senior aren't doing in other companies. And mm -hmm. that's very rewarding to me because I'm not afraid to lose them. Uh, you know, that's on me, right? Like, I've got to be a good leader to keep them wanting to stick with us and me. But um, because I because I know that, you know, this, that, you know, these folks have a lot of capability and, you know, I just want them to be, to grow and to be happy and to, and to be effective and, and come to work every day and be happy and, and love what they're doing. And, and I think, you know, that's what we try to do. It, you know, most of the time it works. Sometimes some people don't want the responsibility. So, you know, then you got to decide if you're going to keep them around or not. Right. But, um, but yeah, that's what you have to grow people and you got to have them part of the team. They got to be making decisions and they got to be contributing. It just doesn't work. Any, it won't work. There's no way it would work. Yeah. So what is next for true weather? Well, next is um, we're trying to close some deals that would have sustainable revenue through a SaaS software as a service business model with some UTM on uh, main aerial system traffic management providers I'm hoping we can get that done here in the next month and demonstrate that our business model works. And then um, we will be looking to raise more money probably uh, later this year, early next year. And we are still closing some partnership deals with companies that work with us since we are a solution provider. We do the end to end. So we're we've signing a couple of deals with some companies that provide weather observational equipment and sensors that could be deployed and then integrate the data into our data systems. So we're trying to expand to get better data now into our systems, not just running model data. And, um, and then working on the urban problem, uh, because um, the biggest problem for, a for advanced air mobility and urban operations is going to be uh, winds off of buildings, wake turbulence, Ventura effects, and NASA's identified this as a priority. And in fact, I've been involved in helping them write some of the requirements for the, uh, the CONOPS. And we're going to, I just hired a, an atmospheric scientist, uh, computational fluid dynamics expert 
PhD that's going to help us start developing our urban wind uh, risk management product, hopefully. And that's that's kind of where we, we want to move to uh, in, in the next uh, year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you. Um, again, thank you to Central New York. Thank you for the support here at the Tech Garden. It's been tremendous. Um, I value our partnerships with New Air and uh, the folks over there doing great work and um, the test range. Thanks again for listening to the Making It Happen podcast. If you would like to learn more about TrueWeather Solutions, please visit trueweathersolutions.com. We'll be back soon with another episode with a different startup company or entrepreneur. Feel free to download, leave us a review, or subscribe to keep in the loop.